Mein Gott, mein Gott, warum hast du mich verlassen? Dios mío, Dios mío, por qué me has abandonado? Mon Dieu, mon Dieu, pourquoi m'as tu abandonné? Eli, Eli, Lama Sebekthani, Se amu, Se amu hina ti me incatalipes. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For nearly 2,000 years, Christians around the world have recognized the words, those words, of Christ from the cross, recorded in Matthew and Mark's Gospel. But these very same words were first written a thousand years before Christ by the king and prophet David in Psalm 22. Turn your Bibles, please, to Psalm 22. just want to disclaim up front that so much of my preparation has been uh, driven by uh, Charles Spurgeon and his Treasury of David, Steve Lawson and his uh, commentary on the Psalms. And uh, I will try to give credit where credit is due. This is Charles Spurgeon in his introduction to the psalm. He says, this is beyond all others, the psalm of the cross. From a child, Christ had known this psalm, recited it, sung it by memory. It may have been actually repeated word by word, by our Lord when hanging on the tree. It would be too bold to say most definitely that it was, but even a casual reader will see that it might have been. It begins with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it ends, according to some in the original, with, It is finished. David, in some of his personal afflictions, may be here in some very modified but as the star is concealed by the light of the sun, he who sees Jesus will neither see nor care to see David. Before us we have a description both of the darkness and of the glory of the cross, the sufferings of Christ and the glory which shall follow. Oh, for the grace to draw near and see this great sight. We should read reverently, he says, putting off our shoes from our feet, as Moses did at the burning bush, for it there, for if there be holy ground anywhere in Scripture, it is this psalm. Called by some the fifth gospel or the gospel according to David, follow along as I read through verse 18 first, and then we'll come back and Look at some things a little bit more carefully. To the choir master, according to the deer or doe of the dawn, a psalm of David, My God, my God, why 
have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. You are holy, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I, I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him. For he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb you've been my God. Be not far from me. For trouble is near and there's none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. And my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They've pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Psalm 22, for the choir master, according to the doe or hind or deer of the dawn, according to the Hebrew. A doe is, is prey. Jesus was hunted from his birth to his death, first by Herod and then by Jewish religious leaders, and finally by the Romans. Jesus is the doe of the morning concerning whom David here sings. Verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? From Matthew twenty-seven forty-six, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this was the startling cry that broke the darkened silence of Golgotha. It was the fourth saying of Jesus from the cross, his first under the cloud of darkness, that had covered all the earth. And crying out, My God, my God, instead of his usual, my Father, showed that there had been a vital breach of relationship in the Godhead. That the intimacy that had existed for all eternity 
had now been broken. It's the first of three questions in this verse. Why have you forsaken me? That is, why have you abandoned or left me behind? Separation and abandonment by his father was the greatest hell for Christ. Question number two, why are you so far from saving me? And question number three implied, why are you so far from the words of my groaning? The man of sorrows had prayed until his speech failed him, and now he could only utter moanings and groanings as men do when they're in severe sickness, like the roarings of a wounded animal. Why? 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 Forsaken. So far. So far. Jesus knew exactly why. We know why. Because he was now burying our sins in his own body on the tree and was bearing the holy wrath and punishment that we sinners deserved. Verse 2. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. The first three hours on the executioner's cross from 9 a.m. to noon was day. And the next three hours from noon to three, night. And his questions here and pleas seeming to convey doubt and confusion unanswered by God are followed next by his assertions of faith and, and praise. Even in this pain, despair, and rejection, Jesus knows that there is no unrighteousness in God, his Holy Father. Verse 3, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Spurgeon says, however ill things may look, there is no ill in thee, O God. We're very quick to think and speak harshly of God when we're under his afflicting hand, but not so, the obedient son. There's no unrighteousness with the God of Jacob. He deserves no censure. Let him do what he will. He's to be praised and to reign enthroned amid the songs of his chosen people. And Jesus now remembers the patriarchs, the fathers, how they trusted in God and how God was faithful to deliver and rescue them. Verses 4 and 5. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued, in you they trusted and were not put to shame. How much more would be the Son of God delivered and rescued? But not yet. The full price 
of our redemption had to be paid. Full atonement to be secured. Full deliverance for Jesus would come in three days. Jesus knew. But Jesus, as we shall see, will indeed be put to shame in the fullest of measure. Verse 6. But I'm, I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. A worm, the lowest of creatures to be stepped on, crushed to death. How far fallen now is Jesus who has said I am the bread of life I am the good shepherd I am the light of the world I am the resurrection and the life before Abraham was I am but now I'm a worm and not even a man. That's what my sin and God's holy wrath had produced. Verses 7 and 8. All who see me mock me. They make mouths. We would say they make faces at me. They wag or shake their heads. He trusts in the Lord let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Listen to Matthew. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we'll believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. And Mark gives this account. And the soldiers led him away into the palace, and they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak, and they put his own clothes on him, and they let him out to crucify him. All of these gestures, contempt, pouting, grinning, shaking of the head, thrusting of the tongue, were all forms of derision and all endured by our patient Savior. 
this account from the Psalms prophecy or history? The description is so accurate. But you know, biblical prophecy is history yet to be fulfilled. And in this case, fulfilled a thousand years later. Now in verses 9 and 10, Jesus turns his attention from his mocking haters to the woman who loved him most in life. Yet yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you've been my God. Luke 23, as they led him away to Calvary, there followed him a great multitude of the people and women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children, for behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. In John 19, standing by the cross of Jesus, John says, were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And to the disciple, Behold your mother, my mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. You see, Jesus' entire life, from the manger at his mother's breast to his last agonizing view of Mary as he looked down from the cross, had been lived in perfect trust of God. The very thing that he was right now being mocked for. Verse 11. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there's none to help. And once again, like in in verse 1, how far are you? The distance, the aloneness and isolation, the separation and abandonment, the rejection was not just passive or neutral, but it was intentional, active, all-powerful. It was a curse, a judgment. It was wrath, pain, and the hellish fire and brimstone-like burning of holy hatred towards sin. Mine, not his. This was keeping him alone on that cross. And still ravaged by inner spiritual torture, Jesus again notices those men who are impassioned in their vicious and destructive hatred of Jesus. And he sees them as wild, unrestrained animals. Verses 12 and 13. Many bulls encompass me. 
Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me and they're like ravening and roaring lions. Again, Spurgeon. The mighty ones in the crowd, the priests, the elders, scribes, Pharisees, rulers, and Roman captains, bellowed round the cross like wild cattle, bulls, fed in the fat and solitary pastures of Bashan, full of strength and fury, they stamped and foamed around the innocent one and longed to gore him to death with their cruelties. Think of the Lord as a helpless, unarmed, naked man cast into the midst of a herd of infuriated wild bulls. They were brutal as bulls, many and strong, and the rejected one was all alone, bound naked to the tree. And his position throws great force into his earnest plea, be not far from me. John MacArthur has said that fulfilled prophecy is the strongest objective argument for the validity of Scripture. And verses 14 through 18 continue this remarkable prophecy. And here more details about Christ's crucifixion written hundreds of years before crucifixion was even known to man. This brutal, tortuous, humiliating means of execution. And now our Lord's inner man and outer man are fully joined in the suffering and agony of the cross. Verse 14. I'm poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. He was utterly spent, like water poured upon the earth. His heart has failed him. His whole being was made a sacrifice, like a drink offering, poured out on the ground before the Lord. All my bones are out of joint as if distended on a rack. Intense pain has made his inmost life to feel like wax melted by intense heat. Verse 15. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, a, a broken piece of earthenware or pottery like used by Job to scrape his oozing sores. And my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. The full price of redemption had to be paid. Every sin atoned for. And no part of the Redeemer's body or senses or soul escaped its share of agony. John 19, after this, Jesus, knowing that all 
was now finished, said to fulfill Scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch, and they held it to his mouth. Verse 16. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. These wild, unclean, hungry dogs, while perhaps less strong than their brutal bull leaders, were no less ferocious. They were like bloodhounds seeking their prize, each thirsting to devour him. These dogs, they have pierced my hands and feet. Again, Spurgeon, this can by no means refer to David or to anyone but Jesus of Nazareth, the once crucified but now exalted Son of God. And he says, pause, dear reader, and view the wounds of thy Redeemer. Verse 17. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. Again, John 19, since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and then the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they didn't break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side in a, with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water, and he who saw it, John, has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also might believe. For these things took place that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. Psalm 34, 20. And again, another Scripture says, they will look on him or stare at him whom they've pierced. Zechariah 12, 10 and Psalm 22, 17. And I know you recognize well these words, verse 18. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. From Matthew, and when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots, and then they sat down and kept watch over him. From Mark, and they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And from John, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments, 
divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier and also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. And this was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Psalm 22, 18. Soldiers gambled. They tossed dice like at a craps table for his clothing as souvenirs, maybe war trophies. While my filthy rags, my garments, Jesus is taken as his own. So he may give me his garments, the robes of righteousness, and so that I and we might say with Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He's wrapped me with a robe of righteousness at the cross. Heavenly Father, we, at least I, am so like Peter. One moment pledging my loyal, undying love and affection for my Savior, and at the next, in my sin, denying that I ever knew him. I know we must remember because we so often forget. Thank you for the bread that we can remember. Thank you for the cup that we can remember. Thank you for your death that we can proclaim. As we do these things together even right now. I just pray that we will be blessed beyond all measure because you are glorified and exalted upon high. I pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. As we do now for communion, if someone from each group or family like to go off to the side and pick out however many packets that you need for your group. We can uh, do that now. Go ahead and undo them out of the cellophane, but hold them so that we can take together. From John 6. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So Jesus took bread and we in given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. From Hebrews 10. And every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he's perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant, the new covenant, that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts. I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance. If your Bibles are still close by, if you could turn again to Psalm 22, stay standing. Verses 1 through 18, David has brought us perhaps as nowhere else in all the scripture to the, the foot of the cross, to the words, to the mind, the thoughts of Christ. And now, no less, the words and thoughts of Christ, verses 19 through 31. The mood changes still from the cross, the thoughts of Christ into the grave and out and beyond. Listen, read, and be encouraged. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen and I will tell of your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation I will praise you you who fear the Lord praise him 
All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel. For he is not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship before him. Bow who go down to the dust and even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it, that it is finished. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The curse of sin has no hold on me, for my debt is paid. It's paid in full. Do you believe it? Amen. Let's sing it.